this land if they live righteously. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, an Articles of News episode. Forgive uh, the absence of the Cultural Hall. Uh, this here show available in podcast form. I'm not going to go into it. Just trust us. That's what it is. Uh, been a little busy. Been traveling the world, as it were, or the Intermountain West part of it. Uh, this is a Articles of News episode. It's me, Richie T. I bring in a uh, another uh, person. And we discuss news articles in and around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, sometimes we banter about it. I know for sure that today uh, with Russ Wilde from Texas, that we will banter more than we'll get to stories. There will be let fewer stories and more banter. Russ and I know each other for, geez, uh, what, junior year of high school? So that's at least three years that we've known each other. It's a, a fortnight. Yeah, we used to be on the radio together, and now you uh, you come in on occasion, and your wife as well, Chow, uh, will come in on occasion. We'll talk news articles. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, sir. No problem. Good, happy to be here. Apparently, I'm, there was some news while you were gone. Yeah, and uh, I'm impressed that you have not melted. I have heard that Texas has been uh, one degree less of hell for the majority of this summer. Is that correct? It has been an uncomfortable summer, um, but... You know, you make it through. My wife has this thing where uh, she wants to decorate for Halloween, mm-hmm. like I don't know, July first, mm-hmm. but but won't won't decorate for Halloween until the the outdoor t- until the low overnight temperature is in the sixties. Okay, okay, and and we finally hit that this last week, so it was down to a, 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 a chilly sixty nine, mm-hmm. and oh, so. Right. Uh, the Halloween decorations come out. Yeah, of course. That seems like one of those arbitrary things like you always hear husbands do where it's like, I'm not turning on the AC until Memorial Day or, you know, those kind of things. Right, that's, right, right. that's pretty awesome. I love how arbitrary yeah, I, it is. I, 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 I said something like, you know, it's not, it's like more than, a, it's almost more than a month, right? Because we've been yeah. thing and, and then like, you, you don't decorate for Christmas until Thanksgiving. And that's, you know, technically less time. And she's like, what do you mean? You decorate for Christmas on November 1st. So yeah. uh, apparently the Christmas tree is going up uh, the day. What after temperature that. does it have to be for Christmas? Uh, we, <laughs> warm enough for the baby Jesus in his little. In, in his manger in April, in but manger. we celebrate in December. Got it. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's a strictly let's get those decorations up at Christmas time at our house. But um Apparently, I don't. I didn't remember it being November first, but apparently that's the go time. Okay. Okay. Do you so. guys watch the Sound of Music when you put up Christmas decorations too? No. Should that, we? So. that was the thing we did. Swear for fifteen years, Sound of Music was always on TV on whatever day we would put up Christmas at my grandma's house. So we'd always be like, it. It the, the irony of like having the freedom to put up our Christmas tree whenever we want when the Nazis were catch, trying to capture the Von Trapps. I mean, it was incredible. Very, so, very appropriate. Yeah. So that, so that's the, t- that's the tone and timbre of this episode <laughs> as we talk about uh, various news articles. It took two and a half minutes to get to Nazis. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. What's that rule? What's that law? Everything I, to Hitler. What's that law called? There's a thing for it, it. Is it Godwin? Is it, uh, uh, let's see. I'm going to Google it so everyone's going to appreciate that yeah. I'm doing this while we're doing an episode. Yeah, that's a, it's always fun to watch people Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patreon yeah, yeah. Godwin's, It's Godwin's law. If you don't know, did, I, did, did I say Goodwin? 
I know. I think you said Godwin. Godwin. I'm not going to go back and listen to it. That's for sure. Uh, Godwin is uh, Godwin's Law, short for Godwin's Law or the Rule of Nazi Analogies, is an internet adage asserting that as an online discussion grows longer, regardless of topic or scope, the probability of a comparison to Nazis or Adolf Hitler approaches one. Mike Godwin is the one who originally uh, referred to this uh, in a Usenet group discussion. He stated they introduced Godwin's Law in 1990 as an experiment in memetics. And you just proved it. Yep, there it is. See, I got it done quick. Good for you. Uh, so new with me besides traveling and, and I, you know, maybe I'll talk about it. I was in Wyoming, uh, um, Moab, Northern Nevada, near Reno, but not really, uh, doing the weddings and things and things like that. Uh, all while having a pinched nerve in my C6, 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 C7 vertebrate. How old are you? Uh, for real. Like in the last six months, I feel like I've aged like a thousand years. I have a pinched nerve to the point that, and people, if you've ever had this before, my thumb and pointer finger on my left hand are like a little numb, like a little tingly, not numb, tingly, like I can feel them, but it's like, that feels a little different than the rest of the fingers. I happened to be at a restaurant today where I saw a kid from high school I haven't seen for 25 years who happens to be a nurse practitioner working with people that are in automobile accidents. So people that deal with C6, C7, pinched vertebrate nerves and uh, I met a doctor and so I'm going to go behind the old clinic and get it done where I can afford it as opposed to in the office and uh, have my coupon insurance pay for it. Well, that's good. That's the advantage of having dinner at 4 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Being as old as you are. And it really was 4 p.m. How funny. Because I'm 100 and, you know, I also had a tooth ripped out of my mouth, all the dumb things, all the just old it's just, I'm wearing out. What are we going to do? I know, I know. Uh, we've got a lot of news stories. Normally we take a break and then we come back in the second block and do articles of news. I'm not going to do that here. Uh, this is just going to be a, a two-part episode. Russ and I will start to do news, but then coming up in the second half of this, uh, we're going to do the temple ticker. Corey K. Ward coming in, talking about uh, he recently went through the St. George Temple uh, since it's been kind of updated and and ready for dedication, I believe, in December. He'll come in and talk about that. I got to go through that, plus the three temples all in one day. That's coming up in the second half of Articles of News as the temple ticker. But right now, let's do some news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. We're going to get into some, uh, what, controversial things? Some, um, I don't know, some some just... It's bizarro. Yeah. Yeah, News. and I want to get to that. I want to tell everyone, here are the stories that we will get to. We're going to talk about uh, Tim Ballard, you know, M. Russell Ballard's son. We're going to get to that story. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, Cardston. Cardston, Canada. Cardston, Alberta. Big news out of Cardston. We're going to talk about that. Uh, mom talker Taylor Frankie Paul. We're going to talk about her today as well. And also a documentary that if you haven't watched it on Netflix, don't watch it around your kids, but you have to watch it. Uh, we'll talk about all of those things within this episode. So you you heard where we're going to go. We got four stories and a good long time. You want to talk about uh, M. Russell Ballard's brother first, Tim Ballard? 
they're more like brothers in the sense we're all brothers. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gospels, sure. Yeah, the what a weird Put weekend. In context, news me, news so, me so that I know what's going on. So, uh, Vice, the uh, news organization, put out a story on this last little bit uh, about um, Tim Ballard and his organization, Underground Railroad, and some of the, uh, I guess, the criminal investigation that had taken place in, was it Weber County? Davis County. Davis County. They're all the same. Yeah, so that's Clearfield, Bountiful, north of Salt Lake, but not quite Ogden. Now, uh, now this criminal investigation had been done, but there were never charges filed. Mm -hmm. They apparently obtained the files from it and uh, some of the things that they'd investigated and looked into is whether there was a crime or not. And uh, some of it was pretty bizarre. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, uh, well, uh, well, in there is is where the, uh, there was an allegation that uh, Tim had been using the name of Elder Ballard to fundraise and you, you, raise money also uh there was a lot of ten thousand pages apparently about uh information from a sidekick who had been speaking with uh the prophet nephi mm-hmm. you know getting information to uh you know help with the uh, rescue operations that underground operation underground railroad was conducting allegedly yeah so, so which part of that would you like to start with? Well, and then in response to that, and in, in, in their reporting, I'm guessing that uh, Vice contacted the church and was like, hey, what do you think about this church? Uh-huh. And, yep. and the church responded with a very um, aggressive statement, which in and of itself caused a bunch of controversy, basically distancing themselves from Tim Ballard and uh, blasting him. And, and they didn't mince words. They said... Um, you know, they never supported him and his organization or represented that they endorsed him in any way. Um, which, which, that... which, you know, I, I don't know that. I mean, here's the deal. It's a it's a big story if you've been on the Internet at all. And the comments, man, read the comments as as with any of these stories. But like when the church is like, we never supported him. I, I think that it's important to sort of clarify a little bit. So the church on its various like media websites, I think Deseret News, I think even Church News had a story about Elder, uh, sorry, now I did it, (laughs) about Tim Ballard, you know, hey, the way that he's doing this and it's a proclamation of his gospel belief and, you know, it's the way that he's able to have his testimony. Like it was on the church's website and is now no longer on the church's website or any of the church's properties, anything to do with Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad, gone, wiped, clean, gone, no longer existent. And I, I didn't get a chance to go to the Deseret bookstore because there's not one near me to see if his books are still on the shelf. But I I would imagine I that I would imagine that they're gone. When you're talking in a minute, I'll search the Deseret book online and see if those books are gone. But essentially and, and here, here, so here is a thing. Well, so, oh, go, so the story oh, comes out, and okay. the the statement from the church is in the Vice article, and then it's picked up by the Deseret News and other uh, outlets there in Utah. And it seems a little unusual because there's not a 
they don't quote somebody. They're not like the statement is the statement. It's not, this is the statement from the church. And it's mm-hmm. this thing. It's not like said spokesman, Jimmy, the spokesman. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't remember the spokespeople. Elder names. The spokesman, Sam Penrod. Come on. Yeah. That's, it's not Sam Penrod. It's, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it was no, just Sam a, Penrod a, is the spokesman. No, I know. No, I know. I know he's, yeah, but they, I mean, they they didn't quote Sam Penrod. That's right. Yeah, right, 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 right. So there, there was no, there was no uh, um, attribution, attribution to the to the statement from the church, and so it was a lot of which is unusual to a point mm-hmm. that, that there wasn't any attribution to, and so like there was there was this debate this weekend about like, is it really from the church? Did Vice just make this up? And then it sort of became clear as these articles from the church's website started about Tim Ballard started to disappear. And then it was clear that it wasn't uh, a thing. And so, you know, then, then the comments back and forth on the internet and, you know, Ballard came out on over the weekend and said, or Tim Ballard came out and was, you know, he almost did. He didn't believe that this statement was from the church at the time and haven't heard lately where, where he stands on that one. But he said, you know, he talked to a state president and his bishop and nobody said, said anything to him about, you know this the church's response and for them to call him you know say these call him they I mean this church's statement says that what he had done was morally unacceptable and mm-hmm. so that's pretty strongly worded and but now the and betrayed, the elephant the elephant elder the with all of this mm-hmm. is that the hot rumor following um, mitt romney's decision not to run for re-election to the senate is that Tim Ballard had his eye on that Senate seat and was about to announce his run for Senate. And maybe he will still, and maybe he won't, mm-hmm. but it was almost viewed as the, uh, the church kind of taking him out at the knees before his campaign even started, which I don't know if this would do it or not. I'm, I don't know, but no. you throw the political angle into it. And then, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. and then the response from people who uh, are fans of, Tim Ballard, and it it got pretty interesting in the comments, as you say. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing to unpack because there's a lot of it. One comment that I saw, <clears throat> one comment that I saw was like, "Well, don't forget the church gave up on Ammon Bundy and Finnicum, whatever that guy's name is that died in up in Oregon when they took the the uh, the wildlife refuge. Remember that guy who essentially right, right, right. refused." to to put his gun away or was in the road and he ended up getting killed by police uh up there uh and and so i was like well that this seems like an odd kind of you know correlation or bringing this in and then the more than a dozen in just the short time that i read that was like this cannot be the church that i believe in this is not the thing that they would do. They would never do this. When have they ever done something like this previously? And it's a little, it's a little odd. Is that me or you? What are we doing? I don't know. There's some noise coming through. Oh, uh, my phone apparently decided to turn on. Uh, but, but, um, yeah, to just have, well, I think it's interesting because obviously the statement itself was unusual. Mm-hmm. But to have people be like, that's not how the church does statements. They don't, they don't put out, they don't put out a statement to vice. And I'm like, well, yeah, they don't, but they also respond to uh, organizations when they have comments or questions. Yes. And if if a news organization, no matter what you feel about them, asks for a comment and they ought, choose to respond, 
like that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put out a whole statement on their website first. Right. And right. Generally, that's not how it works when, you know, I used to play reporter. I used to ask organizations questions and like I would have been ticked if I, in my reporting, I, if I called the, you know, I, I was working on a story about something and then that organization essentially put out a press release on their own website about the thing that I'd asked them about first. I was <laughs> like, wait, that's my story. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that's kind of the pattern, like a reporter or a news organization asks a question and then they get a statement and that goes in the story. And that's yeah. what happened, which that part of it wasn't unusual to me, but the, uh, it, it just seemed really, uh, yeah, it, it's caught a lot of people off guard. And I, I, I don't know that we've seen all of the fallout yet from what's going to happen, you know, cause then Glenn Beck jumps on the. Oh, I the, didn't uh, see this. I didn't see. Oh, the, you didn't see Glenn Beck. The brother Beck was in on it. What did he say? Glenn Beck, uh, I wish I had his tweets up. Uh, he posted a series of tweets that were uh, basically saying that, you know, his church doesn't doesn't uh, do these, doesn't, you know, excommunicate people by statement from their spokesperson. They don't uh, criticize members without talking to them first. They don't. And he had a whole thread of them, which was then deleted. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure that, uh, wow, I didn't realize that. But I mean, so, he, but so here's the deal. Here's the thing that I think is the most bizarre because I think the original thing didn't even quote that it was M. Russell Ballard. It was sort of put together, right? It said a higher church official or something like that, right? And then was later attributed to M. Russell Ballard and the name relation and all of those things. I don't think it was originally reported that was even a possible i think they did the higher you know church official um so other comments that i saw are people saying things like well the church is pro pedophilia this is just the adversary weaseling his way into the church because and and i just start reading that and 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 i mean that was a that was a lot of the response from the people who were uh, critical of the sound of freedom the movie if you didn't like the movie that right. you know if you, if you don't like this movie well you must you must like the pedophiles yeah yeah so he's able to now set himself up a little bit as a pariah to be like i can't believe all of this and the video so th this was another there's so many levels to this that is just like i can't turn away watch you know, watch all of this stuff. There'll be a video in the show notes um, where this is from Fox 13, where he's up, I believe it looks like he's at the state capitol, state of Utah capitol. I think he was in Washington, D.C. Okay. He may I think he was giving a walking tour or maybe in New England somewhere. It was, a, it seemed like he was on one of the tours that he gave, gives or, or the historical sites out east. And so he's like, someone asks him and they've everyone's got their phone out because this has just happened. And so they're asking about, it. he's like, I don't believe that the church did this. And it's like, oh, okay. But then he calls in like a character witness essentially to this video that he's doing. It's not this formal. It's not like a courtroom setting or anything like that, but he's like, right, Jerry, this is something I'd never do. And I get it because you would, you know, you'd want other people to be like, no guys, Tim Ballard, they would never, this isn't a thing that he did. Guys, you wouldn't believe it. But then in Jerry, that's not his name, walks into the video shot and it's this guy dressed like he's ready to go to the January 6th insurrection at the nation's capital. He's dressed like a mountain man. Jerry, speak to my character. Why don't you? It's like, okay, all right. 
what is going on here? It's it's I think it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And then there was a what I assume was a just a naturally scheduled quote from Elder Ballard that they put out on church social media and the responses to that like I respect your position but you need to repent sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, there's a there's it's interesting. Yeah, and and you're right. I don't think we're we're certainly not to the end of the story. Um, I think that there, to me it seems like there has to be, because cause let's say let's say on the level what it is is that uh, Tim Ballard was telling people, "Hey guys, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints backs me up. You should donate to this organization because they want to stop trafficking as well." Okay, I can understand why the church would want to be like, "Hey." Just so y'all know, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that, Tim Ballard. But also, just so y'all know, this is not an arm of the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is not a particular organization that we put money into or support or whatever. Just want to make be clear as far as that goes. But also, okay, so let's take it one step further. Let's say that he allowed people to believe the relation between himself and M. Russell Ballard, same last name. There's some relation at some point. They're friends. Not, they've uh, yeah. He's they've gone on things together. They they yeah. They apparently have are friends or were friends or yeah yeah were had the kind of communication. But like as far as like familial relativity, it's like as related yeah. as you and I are to one another, right? It's probably connected at some point through some polygamous something 190 sure. years ago. But beyond that, you know, not any sort of relation. So let's say that he allowed people to infer that there was a relation there. Okay. And yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Ballard. Of course I am. Yeah. You know, my, uh, my good friend, you know, M Melvin, is that the, what the M stands for? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so he allows that to be believed. Okay. So again, not great. The combination of the two may be worth a statement, but the people that don't, um, that don't at least allow that to be a terrible thing, like that those two things would be needed to be corrected in a larger scale way. Like, even if it's not as nefarious as maybe it makes everything sound like, but I, but I feel like at some point it's like, we are not affiliated with this individual and this is a way that we can do this in a big way. Right. And and that in of itself is like, that is all of that makes this a fascinating story and an mm-hmm. interesting thing. And the reactions to it are all interesting. But then when you pile on the Senate seat on top of that, yeah. that's when it's like, Oh, this is juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did that play a part in the church's mm. decision to word their statement the way that they did? Were they trying to end his Senate campaign before it started? Mm. And if that was their intention, did it work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it would, because I don't know that the general population obviously isn't on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The general population probably doesn't watch the news as much as some people. There's there the the number of people who are highly engaged in watching the news and being up to date on what's going on is not the majority. Right. And so could could this even not have an impact on a Senate campaign, or although, or although have an impact in the in a 
putting him into office kind of way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not it's wouldn't be the first time that the church would have made a statement about uh, how folks maybe it, uh, not that how they should vote, but like uh, something that they are they represent for and having the membership vote a different way. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I think it'd be interesting to see a candidate, obviously, but yeah. Right. But it would be interesting to see, like, because in the primary, like, how would that not be every commercial you see? Yeah. Yeah. Especially I haven't, I haven't been said, and my church hasn't called me immoral. Right. Right. Well, and, and on top of all that, and I made the joke on social media today where I was like, listen, you know, I don't know that it'll matter. We have the other senator, the member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who was like, Let, let's figure out how the Constitution can get this guy back in. Let's figure this out. He's like, he is a modern-day Captain Moroni, President Trump is, and, and he's still there. And you know what? He'll win again. Yep. Mike Lee will win uh, as a senator for the state of Utah again. It's so yeah, it, I, I, it'll be curious to see who all the Republican candidates end up being for that mm -hmm. seat, and if Tim decides to go for it. Yeah, he will. It's a certain kind of. This is the thing. It's a certain kind of person that runs for public office, good or bad. It is a certain kind of person that does that, and Tim Ballard is that certain kind of person. That I, means they're gonna we're gonna get to talk about him a lot more. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I think we've beaten that horse to death. Uh, at least for this week i think yeah. there's gonna be so much more it's just geez. yeah geez uh what else did i tease i don't even remember do you remember uh, cal cardston you talked teased oh, about yeah. cardston but i didn't know what was going on in cardston oh my gosh which... you didn't hear about this sad day my friend sad day when olu elfidi started working in a cardston pharmacy six years ago he never thought he'd see the day when alcohol was served in the southern alberta oh, yeah. town they had a referendum there's a lot of strict laws down here, he said, so I didn't really see this coming. After more than a century as one of the last dry towns in Alberta, Cardston's 3,500 people or so no longer have to leave to buy an alcoholic beverage. Cardston Town Council voted five to two, the two being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm sure, allowing sit-down restaurants and recreational facilities like the local golf course I'm sure some of the five were members of the church, too. The demographics of that town are pretty Mormon. To apply for liquor licenses. I'd be curious to see, you know, how that ended up rolling out. When asked, a non-binding and a non-binding plebiscite. I'm not sure what that is. What is that? Um, it was the election that they had. Uh, okay. Basically, like, we're going to vote to... We'll put it on the ballot, but okay. if you vote for what whatever you vote for doesn't mean we're going to do it. Right. Okay. So narrowly divided in the town. There was nearly a thousand votes. That's uh 33% of the town. 494 in favor of alcohol, 431 in favor of no alcohol. And Afidi says it's a welcome change. Everyone should have the leverage to take whatever they want. Some people want to have a few drinks here and there. Uh, Cardson's relationship with alcohol is tied to its long history with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of course, settled by members back in the 1800s. The first LDS temple ever built in Canada is there in Cardston. That's where I was married. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why the affinity. I knew you liked Canada. I couldn't remember why. 
Uh, does that mean you're married in in the uh, in the U.S. of A. or did you have to do something different? Uh, no, it just they they recognize it as being a thing. Sixty two percent of the town of Cardston, Mormon. Uh, That's why I think more than two members of the well, council. Yeah, statistically, right? You'd have to have uh, what four of them would have to be members of the church in order to fall into statistics. You've always been able to drink alcohol in town. You just couldn't buy it there. Uh, Bob Taylor. Brother Taylor says people can do what they want, but I'm LDS and I don't. So there it is. Too bad. So sad. We're going to, we're about to see the downfall, Cardston. the downfall of Cardston. Oh, I'm sure they'll manage. Yeah. Yep. Man. It, now the, now that carriage museum will be able to get the big business and the tour <laughs> groups. So. You need, you need a drink to be able to go through the, uh, the carriage museum. Uh, what else did I tease? Help me. Taylor, Frankie, Paul. I know I talked about that. Um, do you know who that is? I do. She, yeah. uh, she got herself in trouble. Yeah. The mom she talker. Had, had a popular here. website, uh, web, uh, YouTube, YouTuber, YouTuber, TikToker. Uh, this is the lady that, uh, now you're, th- you may be thinking of Ruby Frank, which we'll talk about in another oh. Okay, I was thinking of Ruby Frank. Yeah, no. Taylor Frankie Paul, this is the uh the soft swinger from out in the south end of the valley, uh Mormon. Right, right, right. She got herself in trouble as well, got a little inebriated. She'd been up in Cardston, had a drink, came down to Bluffdale or Riverton or wherever she lives, uh, threw a chair at her boyfriend as they were fighting, tried to hit him, hit her kids. Uh, ended up getting charged with some uh, a couple felonies and a misdemeanor, which she pled and, you know, didn't have to serve any jail time or like served a day or something like that. Right. Right. A uh, lot of people really angry and rightfully so that uh, she threw a chair and tried to hit her boyfriend and hit her kids. You know, questions as to whether or not she is a fit person to have children in her home. The man that she physically assaulted has impregnated her, and the internet is starkly divided as to whether or not that is a good idea. But uh, she continues to claim uh, being a member of the church. She has, since her arrest, uh, there's a horrible, man, it is not for the faint of heart, um, like dash cam and body cam video of her after that incident. Do not watch that with kids around. Do not (laughs) watch that if you are impacted by you know, things like that. It is a horrible thing. She's been, um, not sentenced, but part of her plea is that she has to go to like parenting classes. She has to go to anger management classes. She has to have a, a, a mental health therapist and a certain amount of sessions. Perhaps brother Penrod should issue a statement on her behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Maybe vice should like, ask. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting and stuff like that because she does consistently say, you know, member of the church, Mormon, coming from this, right? All of these things. Uh, it is interesting that in in those particular cases, and maybe it's because it's not for gain, or there's not, you know, she doesn't have an organization, or she's not trying to make money, or I don't know, whatever the thing may be. Maybe that's the difference. But yeah, it is very much. You know, the the headlines always read Mormon, TikToker, whatever, 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 whatever. So so that's so that's interesting 
third child for the household, not married to the gentleman. I'm not throwing any sort of shade necessarily. I, I it, it seems like an interesting choice. And I just hope that it's the best choice for all parties involved. He said very dip- diplomatically. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. they can make better choices going forward. Yeah. Yeah. In the best interest of all the children. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what else did I tease? Do you remember now? I can't even remember what we, we uh, there was something else. Uh, what, did we talk? We, I know before we started talking, we talked about the, um, the Joseph Smith book, Richard Turley's book about the prophet Joseph. I think that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. Future guest back in the cultural hall. He's been here a couple of times. We're going to talk with Yeah. I'm curious about. if it almost comes across as like uh, a distillization. That's not a word. I just made it up of of the Joseph Smith papers, just kind of like, let's take all of these volumes and kind of break it down into a biography kind of, because it felt like the the statement, it seemed like the research was kind of done yeah. in parallel. And he alluded to it when I chatted with him before uh, about this thing that was coming. And, and so that's, you know, kind of exciting that that's kindly, finally coming to fruition. But as I understand it, what it is, is it's not about his life necessarily. It's about his, it's, it's either about being a prophet or prophetic or the things that he did as a prophet. That's what the book is about. It's not Emma and his father-in-law didn't like him and accusations of this. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's a really deep dive on him as a prophet, as I understand what the, what the book is going to be about. So we can ask him all the questions when we get him here in the cultural hall. Uh, I think that there was, oh, there's this brilliant. Do you ever read the uh, the Babylon Bee? I do. Oh, my I see, God. I see that from time to time. They th- So people don't know. Uh, it is a um, satirical. Satirical is the word. I was saying farcical is not the word I'm looking for. Satirical look at uh, basically Christianity, right? It, it looks at a lot of like evangelicals and they do time to time um, stories about Mormons and, you know, any, any sort of like religious thing. They're fairly respectful, but they're also pretty well on the nose most of the time, whatever they do, where they're like, you know, well, like this article, for instance, the headline, I'm going to do my best because it's a little bit, you got to, you got to read this for some of the spellings because I think it's just so brilliantly done. They don't have actual, um, like, authors of the articles that it just is from the Babylon Bee in general. This person has to be from Utah and has to be a member of the church to have nailed, nailed this as well as they did. And I can, and I uh, begin. Mormon, this is the headline, Mormon parents... Name another kid by scooping 11 random letters out of alphabet SpaghettiOs. <laughs> and, and then the picture, the name of the kid is spelled out in the, you know, the SpaghettiOs is Corvinly, C-O-R-V-I-N-L-E-I-G-H, Corvinly. Now, that's funny enough, especially if you know how Utahns, you know, we we name our kids and because we're Utahns, we're probably Mormons, statistically speaking, etc. This article comes from Nephi, Utah, and goes on. Expecting their 13th child, Nathaniel, spelled N-A-E-T-H-A-I-N-I-E-L, and Ruthanna Lili, 
Shumway resumed the centuries-old tradition of picking possible baby names by scooping a handful of random letters out of a can of alphabet SpaghettiOs. Quote, Look! It's Corvinly, said Ruthanna Lee Lee. Friends simply call her Ruthanna Lee before asking Nathaniel if they were having a boy or girl as she'd forgotten. Quote, Either way, I feel like little Corvin Lee has been waiting patiently in pre-mortal life for his or her chance to come be with us. Her husband then stood to gather the children. Here are the children names. Are you ready for this? I don't think I am. Bronzebel, Drabinadi, Ali, Ca- uh, Ali Cabri, Macy Gray, spelled M-A-E-C-I-E-G-R-A-E, Boazathor, Troilin, Orashakaba, Amon, Amonaha Cabra Cadabra, <laughs> Maylee Taylor, Himnomner, Lakindri, and King Benjamin come down to the oversized kitchen table to see what your baby sibling will be named. The family gathered together in pure joy and excitement at the prospect of having another precious, beautiful child of God to bless their home. I'm a little disappointed there wasn't a Don Carlos in there. Yeah, yeah, right? Just before the kitchen floor gave out and they all crashed into the basement. Thankfully, the rows of bunk beds broke their fall. At publishing time, the family had clarified that this was their 14th child as they had forgot about Crayson, C-R-R-A-Y-Y-S-E-N-N, who is serving in the Paraguay Asuncion North Mission. <laughs> so hilarious. So well done. Babylon B, I love you. I appreciate you. That if If I could spend... Hours writing, I feel like maybe that would be a half of a thing that I could write as good as, but that's just incredible, the stuff that they do. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, there's one other one. What else did we talk about? I, I teased. And I wish I could remember. And I we certainly could go back and go, oh, yeah, that's what it was. Not going to do that. That's for sure. Um, mm, I don't know. I can't remember. Well, we'll come up and we'll talk about... Oh, no, I do remember. Here we go. Oh, I'm excited now. I guess I, yes, because this is, uh, this, is, um, this is unbelievable that I've never made this connection before, ever. And, and, and it's real and it's big and it's everything that people will be talking about um, this week. And, and it's, uh, uh, I should just continue to hyperbolize this story as we talk about it. I think people are listening are thinking, did he really remember what it was? Or is he still trying to think of it as he talks about how amazing this thing? Here it is. When you think of the band Earth, Wind and Fire, what song do you think of? I, is it that, are they the ones that do that the 21st night of September? Yes. Yes. Good job. Good job, Russ. About Moroni visiting Joseph Smith. Yes! I didn't realize that that's what that song is about until just today. I was today years old. The 21st night of September is when the angel Moroni went to the prophet Joseph Smith. Nothing? And and, and I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide, did, does Richie mean that the song is literally about that or that... The dates are the same and he's just nope. connecting. No, no. listen, it's the same date, sure, right. which I hadn't made the connection, right? But this and, is and where... we're coming up on the 21st night of September. Yes. And that's why it's going to be on. And the... I'm going to call you four times that night. Yeah. 
to remind you. Here's the thing. I I so I I the older I'm getting, I'm starting to believe more firmly in conspiracy theories like your the church didn't want Tim Ballard to be a senator for some reason. Let's perpetuate that some more. But uh someone, it's got to be someone will do uh the genealogy of someone in Earth Wind and Fire. But if I may, badia dia dia Say, do you remember Badia Dia Dia dancing in September? Badia Dia Golden Dreams were shiny days. I gotta watch Trolls again. Mm-hmm. Found the love that we shared in, in September, and now it's December, the birth month of the prophet Joseph Smith. Say, do you remember? The 21st night of September? Coincidence? Yes. 100%. Yes, absolutely. But, but, but I never put it together as the same night as uh, as Joseph Smith was visited by the angel Moroni. I'm excited for that day to come around here later this week because yeah. you're going to remember finally. Well, and the, the, uh, the really, really, really terrible, I'm a horrible human being, uh, look for the church to call me out about this. I would really love, and this is terrible, and I'm horrible, and I want everyone to know that I believe very much in the Book of Mormon, and I appreciate for all that it's done for my entire life, but it would please me for a jib-jab video of the picture of the angel Moroni singing September. (laughs) I'm a horrible person. I'm a bad, bad person. Let's make it. I... I, Maybe we'll just... Maybe we'll make it on Patreon and just sort of pass it around to people. Uh, and hopefully brother Penrod doesn't send out a statement. Jeez. Jeez. Patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. If we actually end up doing it, you'll see it there. Or if you're in the Facebook group, uh, you have to be a patron saint to be a part of the Facebook group. That's it, Russ. There was probably one other story that I wanted to tease that uh, we didn't get to. Or you did tease that we didn't get to. Yeah. That we did tease and we didn't get to, or that I was going to do now. I can't remember, but I do remember the 21st night of September. Take care. I mean, InSync got back together for the sequel. That's about as good yeah. as you can get, right? It's the threequel that InSync got oh, back. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's the right. third. It's Come on, you've got 100 one. kids. You know. Little Braley is going to be disappointed. <laughs> Corvin Lee. Corvin Lee will be alive for the 10th Trolls video. We but they'll remember the 21st night of September. Yes, they will. Coming back in the second half of this, we'll do uh, Temple News of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We call it the Temple Ticker. Listen, I love the Book of Mormon. The idea of Moroni jib-jabbing the 21st night of September is a little bit funny. We'll take a break. We'll come back and do that. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. BestDJinUtah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country. 
uh, but especially here in Utah, been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall, because maybe, just maybe, I give a Cultural Hall discount uh, all sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a, a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer, and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we welcome in Corey K. Ward, the unofficial, official temple, everything for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, also a relative of Elder Ballard. This is Elder, ba- Elder Ballard's nephew and cousin and brother, Corey K. Ward. <laughs> wow, I'm honored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't claim it, though. Don't claim that you're any of those things or you're in big trouble. Uh, Corey comes in and he talks about all things temple with the church. And I'm excited for this first one because you and I got quite the opportunity to be able to go see the St. George Temple before it, it gets opened to all y'all. We got to go in a little bit early and then uh, before it obviously gets rededicated. Tell me a little bit about your experience. Uh, let me tell you, it was bougie. Like yeah. if you go to a normal open house, um, you just kind of get shoveled in. But if you go to a VIP, um, it's bougie. First of yeah. all, you get you get a personal tour by a couple. I was in a group of about... 12 or 15 and we weren't rushed through the temple we just we had a great explanation of things and then in the chapel they took our names they welcomed us and then they even had nice dinner and desserts or lunch and desserts afterwards so yeah Yeah, the pulled pork was pretty good huh yeah i really like that pulled pork sliders and they have I, I imagine because I was just there the day before you that they have brought in all of the nice furniture into the cultural yeah. hall in the uh, stake center uh, right across from the St. George Temple, which was interesting, too, because, you know, people that are local will remember that that uh, stake center was, first of all, torn down and then rebuilt and then burnt down and then rebuilt. <laughs> so... It is the newest of the new as far as chapels go. So tell me what you thought about the temple. I thought there were some there were some pretty interesting things as I went through. Yeah, um, let me talk about some of the news about it first, and then I'll talk okay. about the tour. I think that will make more sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, a little bit before we, I think it was like the ninth or something, um, they opened it up to the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Holland was one of the general authorities that was guiding tours. Um, Which is interesting because isn't he... Isn't he serving as a mission president right now? I'm pretty. He, I, okay, or is he yeah. done? Because he was serving as a mission president. Maybe he's an area. Maybe center. done. I think he's just okay. done. Okay, it's been three years. Okay. Um. So obviously, uh, he has roots there. Um, with his his parents being from the area. Um. One of the other general authorities noted that um the temple will be anticipated to last seventy, about fifty to seventy five years without a major renovation. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite intense what they did with the renovation. Um, another day, 
they had a tour for the blind a tactile tour which i'm uh which is interesting to see how they did that but they allowed them to kind of like brush their hands against some of the things in the temple and everything so well i found myself that we weren't there so there was uh within the temple there are these like blue kind of what royal blue like heavy what looks like maybe velvet curtains i don't know i don't think it's velvet necessarily but i found myself going "Ooh, that feels nice (laughs) a couple times (laughs) like sneaking and being like okay and 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 a couple chairs that had some pretty intricate kind of fabric work on it too so when i saw that come up i was like i hope they weren't referencing me touching everything no, it was, you know, a, a tour for the blind, which is incredible. I think it's awesome that we're thinking about all of the ways in which m- more and more people can experience the temple. Yeah, definitely. Um, the church provided some information about the temple. Let me just run through some of these facts um, quickly, and then you, I'll just, we can just appreciate how, I guess, historic this temple is. Um, so it was announced in 1871. If you notice on the, the, um, the top of the temple, they put that date on there that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Um, sections of the temple though were dedicated before it was finished just like Nauvoo and Kirtland um, that happened um, the temple endowment was first transcribed by Brigham Young and Wilford Woodruff, who was the first president the endowment had been passed on along word of mouth ever since Joseph Smith so interesting okay these ordinances were standardized they were first done for the dead um, and then Daniel Wells who was in the first presidency dedicated it Brigham Young was ill um he died later that year but he i guess the one that fully dedicated the temple and then wilford woodruff um yeah was basically the the pioneer president of the temple uh he recorded twenty five thousand baptisms for the dead twelve thousand endowments and um almost four thousand ceilings in the first year of the temple and later later that year he recorded a vision where he saw some of the world leaders um and he performed their ordinances for them and then in just a year after the dead temple was dedicated, it was struck by lightning and it burned down the, the wooden spire that was there. So they constructed a bigger one out of fiberglass. And it was kind of the first temple where they separated. Basically, they had public space and then they had ordinance space and then they kind of got rid of that public space and just focused the temple on uh, the public, the, the private ordinance space. Which was interesting. So in our tour, uh, because they take you everywhere in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, they took us to the assembly hall, which, from what I understand, had just essentially been rotted. They weren't before they did the refurb of everything. Like they wouldn't allow people up into that space because of how bad it was. They were afraid, you know, for people's safety and stuff like that. And then the discussion and get ready to be quizzed. <laughs> K Ward the okay. Pharaoh. There are seven temples with assembly halls. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Can you name the ones? Okay. Well, St. George, obviously. Um, then there's Logan uh-huh. and Salt Lake. Okay. Where you tell ones. Uh-huh. And then Nauvoo, had, they had a smaller one reconstructed in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C. Look at you. See? And that's seven. Yeah. 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 Nailed it. The one that I forgot was L.A. I knew D.C. did because that we had mentioned that when we had the rededication. But uh, if people don't even know what we're talking about, if you look in the Kirtland Temple, which technically, you know, another one, but not owned by us. It's the large room where on either side you sort of see this depicted when um, the prophet Joseph Smith sees 
uh, the Savior when the temple is rededicated and Oliver Cowdery, and you see the picture of Christ kind of on the pulpit east side of the Kirtland Temple. Those assembly halls are only in seven of the temples. And it's interesting to me to think about that. Not not necessarily interesting for like Logan or Manti or, you know, Salt Lake or St. George. But when you start to get into some of these other ones, like Nauvoo, because, of course, it was a remake of the original. Sure, that makes sense, too. But then I start to muse about like why Los Angeles, a temple built. 80 years or some, you know, later. <laughs> that, that one stumps me. I or Washington, D.C. And, and and the thing that I think is, genuinely, I think that they probably thought that it's like, hey, here is a this coast kind of place that we can meet. And then, obviously, that's why they have one in D.C. as well. Yeah, um, the church, uh, they, they published a nice little history sheet and a fact sheet about the temple that's worth looking at. Um, I'll run through basically really fast what it says. Um in the basically until the 1930s, it was basically like Kirtland, where there was two assembly halls on the top and the bottom, and then the basement was for ordinances. Hmm. Um, but eventually, um, they didn't did endowments down there too. But eventually, just they just needed more space, so they started to use the the lower assembly hall. They kind of put partitions to close to um, make different spaces. But in the 1930s, they went through a big renovation where they got rid of the lower hall and they replaced it with um, ordinance rooms that um moved in a progressive style um like we know from the Salt Lake temple how that used to be um and then they added murals to kind of show the different stages in the endowment mm-hmm. but in the 1970s they removed those murals and they made all the rooms stationary and covered over many of the pioneer aesthetics with you know 70s interior stuff and then some of those murals were restored in the 1990s um so as we get to this uh, renovation that just recently happened, um, there are several important changes that happened. One is that the, there's a new entrance in the baptistry on the south side. And then on the north side of the temple, there's a bride's exit where the marriage parties come out and wait for the bride and groom to reveal themselves after they get sealed. Um, the temple annex was completely replaced and they replaced it with a new one that matches better the exterior of the temple. Um, before it kind of looked like a cheap knockoff of what the temple looked like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then on the backside of the temple, they had a grand staircase. They completely took that off, demolished that, um, replaced it with a new one that also matches better, um, have new staircases, elevators, and such. Something also that happened was that they replaced the cupola on the top of the temple. Um, the, t- the top of the temple has changed a lot through the years, so it changed again. This renovation, it was originally white. Now it's a kind of a dark gray. They added that new Holiness of the Lord inscription. And then which something is important. there on the east side, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, it big, kind of looks it looks more like the, the Salt Lake Temple one. Yep, with that lettering and everything from the era. And then they um, took out all the they took out the remnants of the murals, but they basically repainted them each with a different artist. They kind of um, resembled some of the originals. And then they replaced all the the glass, which I was told before you could tell what glass was original in the temple because it was like wavy. Mm-hmm. It was like the old glass that's like drooping. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 what was I going to, oh, did you know, interesting, 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 and I haven't read ahead to see if you mentioned this, but it doesn't look like you do. Did you know the reason why it has so many ceiling rooms? It has like 30 ceiling rooms in this. 17, 17, 17. Yeah, a ton. Which is more, uh, I think it was, it's more than what the select temple used to be even. I think it's going to have more eventually, but yeah. But do you know what? Um, is it because in the temple fact sheet, they mentioned that um, 
obviously this is the only temple for many years in Utah. And so the the route down to, to St. George is called the honeymoon trail because you get married and then you uh, go on your honeymoon to St. George. So I'm assuming because just a lot of ceilings are performed. Yes, probably. And okay. uh, up me. on the top floor, and I didn't know this until my tour, there used to be like um, essentially like hotel rooms. It was like a bed and breakfast. You could stay. Okay. You could stay in the temple while you were there doing ordinance work because, as you mentioned, people would come from all over. This was only a temple. They didn't have a place to stay. And so on the top floor of the St. George Temple, some of those ceiling rooms, in fact, I don't know, eight, nine, ten of them were like little, uh, you know, your little uh, hotel room. And so they okay. goes <laughs> into uh, it's it's wild. I love it. I love all of it. I love its uniqueness. I love that it's not modular. I love that the people <laughs> of St. George yeah. are like, yes, please build that here. I love all of the parts of the St. George Temple. It's so much different to me than so many other of the of the different temples. I just thought it was crazy unique and awesome to be able to be a part of the rededication. I know a lot of people, I'll be curious to see the numbers, but I know a lot of people because Salt Lake folks go down to St. George to get a break. You know that that temple uh, open house is just going to be huge. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a very different temple. If you went to the Saratoga Springs Temple, if you're going to go to the New Red Cliffs Temple, mm-hmm. this is uh, like the yeah, complete evolution. Uh, this is like the the ancestor of all temples. And so, yeah. um, I'll go over some of my um impressions of the tour. One of the things was the clear windows. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost all temples. I'm pretty sure all temples. Like I can't think of one that has windows that aren't opaque in some way that are stained glass or whatever. There's clear windows. And so when you're like sitting in the the baptistry area where they do the confirmations, you can just look up kind of in the basement. You look up and you see just the outside people walking outside. And so you could be sitting there waiting to get confirmed. And then people could be looking in and like see everyone dressed in white and everything. Also, it was really pronounced in the assembly room. You could just see that red rock on the, the windows and everything. So that was that was baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, any anything else from as you kind of wandered around? There were two things that I wonder if uh, if you noticed. One, um, there's a picture, and I think I mentioned this, but maybe I haven't. But there's a picture, and I want to say it's outside the baptistry where um, it has like the Savior or John the Baptist, and 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 they're baptizing. There's people gathered around, right? And normally you see that person depicted as a young man or even, you know, the Savior being baptized. In that particular picture, it is very pronounced that it is a woman being baptized. And I thought that that was pretty powerful because, you know, art for the time, certainly for that situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you don't often see a woman being baptized. I think it's great. I'm there for every bit of it. It was so very cool to see that picture. Did you notice that picture? You know, I didn't. Yeah. What I did notice in the baptistry is that there's like these old um, images above the mirrors in the baptistry. Yes. And I asked I asked the person what they were. And originally he was just like, oh, they're just like generic pioneer chapels. They're not. But I said one of them, I think, is the Pine Valley Chapel. But then he couldn't tell me what the other one is. And if there's a listener that can tell me what the other chapel is on that that image, I would love to know. So I think I think one is the Pine Valley Chapel, and I think the other one is either the Hamblin Home or Brigham Young's home in okay. St. George. That well, was it had like a tower on it. So yeah, that know. was what we came up with. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, though, and that I think that's OG stuff on the <laughs> on, on the in the yeah. baptistry above that. Those I think those are are original, and that's the thing, and why I love you so very much. There's my proclamation: is like you and I are the same way. We're like, yeah, 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 it's great. And 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 the thing that was funny is that we were the first tour of uh, this stake presidency. Um, uh, state president and his wife taking us through and and they were they were very good about like hey all of like your factual like you know what's this when was this who is this we don't know this but we want you to feel this and so I uh, at least appreciated this and um, when we would ask a question that we didn't know the answer to he would say we appreciate you asking that question and she would write down what the question was and when we got <laughs> yeah. done, and when we got done like she she came up and was like hey how, you know do you really need to do you want to know the answer or i'm going to search this out and be able to send it to you is there a way that i can send this answer to you and i know they can't do that for everyone and when we get into hundreds of people there's all those things but i thought that that was pretty powerful to be like hey your question matters and we want to be able to get back in touch with you and tell you what that thing is so I, it was pretty cool love it yeah. Um, one of the things was the that I that also happened in the was in the bride room, which is new to the temple. Um, someone one someone that was in the tour pointed out that those chandeliers that were in the bride's room were some originals from. Oh, really? Um, they said only a few chandeliers in the temple are original. They also added a, a like a, a a skylight um in the bride's room, which is stained glass, and that they told me that was the only stained glass in the whole temple. Hmm. Um, something is also interesting in the marriage waiting room. There was like a bookcase that had some looked like some really old looking books in there. Someone could tell me like what those books are and if they're just decoration or if they're really old. That would be cool to know. Uh, um, well, so what? And so we asked about that, and they said that they were replicas. Because I was like, okay. yeah. "What is this?" And they're like, "Well, they're cool looking." And I was <laughs> like, cool "All right, looking. all right." Yeah, gotcha. I mean, you think about it in a day and an age where people are you know, sneaking their phones in and trying to, you, you know, that they can't do something like this is an original million dollar doctrine and covenants just hanging out here <laughs> in, the, in the celestial, you know, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because it would be cool to have some of that in there. But yeah, they, we were told it was just sort of decoration. Something I didn't know before the tour was that in the chapel, which is where you wait to start an endowment session, they have um, these large murals on both the front and the back. We only saw pictures. The church only released pictures of the front, but there's also pictures of it in the back. Um, these are copies from the original St. George Temple Annex, which was recently demolished. But they got a digital copy of these um, paintings. One is of the Ascension of Jesus, and then the other one is the of, of Jerusalem. And um, yeah, they replicated those um, those big mural paintings in the chapel. Which is pretty cool the way they did it too, because as I understand it, they just they took really really amazing immaculate pictures, and then if you look real close, it's like a it's like um almost like a wrap on your car, like they they you know they got the, all the different intricacy and dimensions of all the things in the room, and then it's just sort of like cut and wrapped on the wall. It's incredible some of the stuff that they do, because if you <laughs> yeah. don't if, if you don't look real close. You go, oh, that's a painted mural on the wall. But then you look close and it's like, there's pixels. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. I wish I would have looked that closely. 
Um, from there, we took the grand staircase all the way up to the assembly room, which is what you were talking about. They told me also the floor was completely replaced. They completely replaced all the pews, but they did a really good job of making it feel like these pews were like from the pioneers, like wooden pews with slope mm-hmm. seating and everything. Um, they pointed out the acronyms that are on the podiums on each side. There's the Aaronic Priest on the west and the Melchizedek Priest on the east. I have a list, if, a link that has a, the names of those acronyms if you want to look it up. So yeah, the um, resources that you put together for the show notes on this is just incredible. People could spend, you know, an entire Sunday studying all this stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I really like the new murals that were painted in. They, um, I really liked the, in the garden room they painted, this is pretty original from these pioneer temples as they put um, two trees in the garden room. One is obviously the tree of life and the other, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they pointed out that one, the, evil tree has a serpent in the branches hmm. like interesting detail to look for you there um i really like the celestial room too i like the chandeliers in there i like that they had like golden beehives above the the windows i thought that was pretty cool um just like some older temples they have ceiling rooms that connect to the celestial room so they called this the east ceiling room it's one of the 17 ceiling rooms in the temple hmm. uh so one last thing that I just wanted to point out, and then we should probably move on because we got about five minutes to get through an <laughs> historic date of uh, the the church and temples. Um, as you go into, I believe it's the the men's changing room um, for the endowments. Mm-hmm. The piece of art that's there as you make your way into the uh, changing rooms. I'm not sure you. I would. I imagine that if you saw it, you would have mentioned it. It's a. Uh, it's a gentleman in the priesthood uh, laying his hands uh, in a priesthood fashion on a black gentleman. And I thought that was pretty powerful. I hadn't seen that piece of art before, but. Yeah, if you saw the um, the women's room as well, they have a, a lady that I think is being blessed by someone as yeah, well. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, but I have seen those, those paintings in the Provo Temple before. So oh, they are really? kind of being circulated amongst all the temples. But it is okay. historic that it's in the St. George Temple because, I mean, that was it was dedicated in a pioneer time when like black people weren't really welcome. And it's yeah, Dixie, it's, Utah, you know? it's Utah's Dixie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just gonna say. So, um, all right, so now here we go. We are rushing through uh we're gonna all rush the through all stuff. these. Tell me uh, if you want to save them for later, but uh no, let, I mean let's get as far as we can. Maybe we'll have you come back. Uh the time is only because um well, I gotta go take my dad. He's going on a fishing trip. Okay. Yeah. So I have to take it. I have to take him to the airport. And I said, Dad, you know, there's a new. Never mind. I'll take you. That's fine. You could. Yeah. You, you can ride the train. Whatever. Um. Yeah. Maybe we get as far as we get, and then uh, on our next articles of news, anything that we don't get, we can bring you on in. We have to get to the triple temple dedication. Let's get at least that. Okay. Yeah. On Constitution Day, September seventeenth, um, there was three temples dedicated. Um, like we mentioned before, um, it's kind of it's a milestone, but like it's a scheduling milestone. It's just kind of a happen since because of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, their President Hinckley dedicated a temple on a Saturday and a Sunday, and then someone else was on a Sunday. So technically three were the same weekend, but it's a scheduling thing. So I'll, I'll accept it. Um, but yeah, Brasilia, Brazil, temple number 180. It was dedicated by Nell Anderson. He spoke Portuguese throughout the dedication. Significant. Used to be an area presence um, in Brazil. Um, it's the tenth temple in the country. And wow. then Bentonville, Arkansas, number one eighty one. 
uh, David Bednar, who lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas, since uh, 1980, 1997. As a professor, correct? Is that what it was? Yeah, at one of the universities before he went to BYU-Idaho. This is the first temple in Arkansas. Um, And then Moses Lake was number 182, dedicated by uh, Quentin L. Cook. Um, he used to be the area presidency of that in that area in the northeast hmm. or north northwest, and then um, yeah, it's the fourth temple in Washington. And the 182nd temple. You know, I'm a little offended um, that you didn't say that Elder Bednar spoke English as he dedicated the temple, <laughs> and Elder Cook as right. well as he dedicated the temple. Um, you know, when we start to point it out for one, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh, for we, all, need to, yeah. we need to point it out for all of them. Anything significant? Uh, I mean, you pointed out some of the kind of the factual things as far as that goes, but is there anything that we go, oh man, they said this that we didn't know, or, you know, sometimes there's that little bit that gets part of the dedication that people go, ah, anything like those? Sure. Um, I mean, Elder Anderson in Brazil, he spoke pretty like grand. He's like, because this is the, it's the 10th temple in Brazil, but he says because it's in the capital, the Brazil will never be the same after this temple. The influence of the temple will touch an entire nation. So yeah, it's pretty uh, profound. And uh, yeah, geez, some of the pictures of this, and we've been sharing them from our social media. So if you haven't find found and followed the cultural hall, you definitely should. But like some of the pictures from Moses Lake and even the one from Arkansas, pretty incredible the way that they're able to, and I love this about it, that they're able to incorporate some of the local things so that you go, oh, okay, that flower is locally native or that, you know, whatever the thing is that's depicted. I appreciate that. We we don't, as much as we do make some things the same, we do take some things and go, yeah, let's incorporate this into the inside of the temple. So pretty significant. All right, let's wrap it there, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, next time we chat, we're going to talk about the uh, Lethbridge, Alberta temple, the Ni- the Lagos, Nigeria temple, uh, Austin, Kona, Cody, Wyoming, Heber Valley, all of the things uh, you can find and follow us on YouTube where you can see our good looking faces. Uh, you can uh, become a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Corey, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. I hope that if you are sick or otherwise afflicted, that you can be here next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of the, the cultural, cultural hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat.